can I can I for a few moments just share a brief reflection for those that were there on Thursday Thursday uh, night upstairs forgive me you're gonna have to listen to my rambling reflection again but I still have been caught by a couple of things that as we've been as we've been uh, fasting we've been calling you uh, calling you to fast um, there's just a couple of things that that uh, that I'd love to share if you have not yet started don't feel like you can't join us uh, we're, we've uh, we decided that we would take the 21 days this year to um, starting on starting on the fifth and uh, finishing off uh, on the 26th uh, and we offered you, if you haven't picked up some of those messages, um, Paul put it up on the website. Uh, many different options available uh, for whatever type of fast it is that you want to that you want to go on. But um, as I uh, just as reflecting, I found myself. I don't know. I don't know how, but I found myself in First Chronicles chapter twenty nine. I don't. I don't know how I ended there. It must have been supernatural because of the very. The most unread place, if you were to flick through my Bible, you would see that there's very little fingerprints or thumb marks around the book of Chronicles. Forgive me for that. Um, it is not a place that I linger too long. But I was just struck by this, uh, by what King David said as he was coming near the end of his time as king and even coming near the end of his life and in first chronicles chapter 29 they're about to take on this new building and i i don't want to i don't want to read too much into this to try and fit it in i, I there's times where i feel like i'm I, i'd be reluctant to do that to make a direct a direct link but this is a new project there is something new taking place and uh and it's going to be solomon the one that builds and it was verse three that I was first three, four, and five that caught my attention this week as I've been waiting on the Lord. As I've been trying to remove those distractions. Because that's what that's what we're that's what we're that's what we're calling you to. That's what we, what fasting is. Fasting is this opportunity. Fasting is this time to disconnect enough with your regular habits and patterns in order to connect, uh, to better connect with God. It's as Simple and as difficult as that. But King David says, in, besides all of my devotion, besides all of the things that I'm supposed to do, if I can put it that way, if I have the license to paraphrase something of what David is saying here, besides my devotion, besides all the things that, that are the basic requirement for a follower of God, that I would attend, be, I would show up at temple, or I would be at church. I would read the, the law. I would read the Bible. I would say my prayers. Besides all of that, because of this new project, because of this new place, because of this new season that we're about to enter in, I am now going to give out of my personal treasure. So I'm not only going to give the basic requirement, I'm not only going to give the minimum that is required, but... But because of where we find ourselves, because of the season that we're in, I'm now going to give above and beyond, is how Eugene Peterson, I think, translates 
those verses. I'm now going to give above and beyond. And I think that is what happens when we decide to disconnect from the regular uh, rhythms and patterns of our own life in order to better connect with God. I think if we're doing it right, I think we're doing it right, we cannot help but get to that place where he's asking us for more. If we're going to talk about this new level, if we're going to talk about this desire for a new revelation, this desire to step into all that he has for us, there is a new level of boldness required. There is a new level of prayer required. There is a new level of giving required. And I think David was saying, I've done all of this. I've given all of all that was required, but now because of where we're at, I'm going to give more of my time, my treasure, and my talent. And he says this to the gathered people. He gathers the people around it, all the assembly, and then and he says this. He makes his determination, and then he asks this question, now who is willing to consecrate themselves today to the Lord? And that's what I just felt over the last week. Uh, I felt that sort of gentle whisper of the Lord, that gentle whisper, that question, who is willing? Or just making a personal nail, are you willing to consecrate yourself to me? Are you willing to wholly dedicate yourself to me? All of what you've been doing, the basic requirements, the minimum requirements for what we're now stepping into, for what we're now looking to, to work towards, will you consecrate yourself before me? And as I read that, I couldn't help but think of Joshua chapter 3, where again, they're about to enter into new territory. Joshua is about to, to he's taken over from Moses, and he's about, to, he's about to lead his people across the Jordan. They're about to enter into new territory. They're about to take on new land. And he, that same thought, that same idea comes out of, comes out of Joshua's mouth, consecrate yourselves before the Lord because tomorrow he is going to do something new. He's going to do something tomorrow when we consecrate ourselves before him today. And so in many ways that, 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 that sort of inkling of, of making this an important rhythm, not only at the start of the year, but in our lives in general, it feels like this is the question that he's asking. Are you willing? Who is willing to consecrate themselves today to the Lord? As we look to take on new territories, look to take on new ground, to take on a new project and a new season, who is willing to wholly dedicate themselves? Who is willing to say, like, this has been an important journey. We've given of our time, treasure, and talent thus this far. But now I'm going to give even more. So let, um, I could keep rambling in that reflection. Now let's let's uh, let's look at this series. Let's look at the, our values. These six values that uh, we first talked about in 2015, and uh, it feels like too long since we've revisited these six things that are really important really important part of who we are, why we do what we do, and why we prioritize the things that we prioritize. Uh, Karl Barth, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Karl Barth. 
But Karl Barth was one of the most remarkable theologians, I think, that has ever lived. He's, uh, he's penned many, many books. He's known probably most famously for his church dogmatics. And there's five volumes. But in each volume, there's like two or three different parts. He was prolific. But about 40 years ago, he was uh, in the States somewhere. He was, um, he was lecturing at some university. And, uh, and one of the, in the Q&A session, the student raised his hand and asked the question, if you could summarize, he asked Carl Bart, if you could summarize all your whole life's work, if you could summarize your whole life's work of theology in one sentence, uh, what would it be? Or could you even do it? I think that was the question. Could you, could you summarize your whole life's work of theology? Like, if you were to see the volumes of stuff that he's, that he's written, and ask that question, could you do it? And he immediately said yes. He immediately said yes, and this is what he said. Yes. The Bible, yes, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. In all that he'd written, he could summarize it all in one sentence. Yes, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Not cool. And, I, and it, was a, it was a couple of years ago, and I've, I've already shared this story. Um, Eugene Peterson, another wonderful theologian, but an incredible pastor. And I so value the works of Eugene Peterson. But on, uh, in the recent years, um, at Eugene Peterson's funeral, his son, Leif, L-E-I-F, Leif got up, and uh, I'm sure he did love him, but he got up and uh, he got up and he said, my dad had you all fooled. He had 40 years, he had preached sermons for 40 years. He had writ written over 40 books, done many other things, but he, he, could, he had you fooled because he only ever had one sermon. He only ever had one sermon, and his son says for 50 years he, he preached the same sermon. For years, as, as Leif grew up, his, his dad, Eugene, would come in in the middle of the night and whisper in his ear, God loves you. God is for you. He is on your side. He is coming after you. He is relentless. God loves you, he's for you, he's coming after you, he's relentless. And, and Leif got up in front of all these, these people inspired by the works and the words of Eugene Peterson and said he had you fooled, he only ever had one sermon. And as I again look at the Apostle Paul, which I love to do, Paul, Paul, Apostle Paul, he is, again, he has written some of the most remarkable words that have caused many books to be written, caused many debates to be had. But he, Paul himself said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he could sum it all up in one sentence. I have desired to know nothing but Jesus and Jesus crucified. Desired to know nothing else or preach nothing else but Jesus and who he is and Jesus and what he has done, Christ crucified. He could sum it all up in one sentence. And then, uh, it was Matthew 23, 
the Sadducees have, have been silenced because they've been trying to trick Jesus. They've been trying to trip him up. They've been trying to catch him out. And they've been silenced, but then we're told the Pharisees, the Pharisees decide that they're going to have a go. And they, get, they come to Jesus. And I think we're told in the verse, the Pharisees come trying to catch Jesus out. And they say, Jesus, our teacher, what is, what is the most important of all the laws? So Jesus, in, in all of the 613 laws, uh, which is the most important? And again, Jesus seems to summarize, he seems to make the complex simple with his one-lined response. Love God, love others, and everything else depends on that. Love God, love others, and everything else depends on that. And so this idea of this idea of making the complex simple is uh, is the f- is the thing that we um, is this that just that word that that word simple is the the word we've decided to use to put together six or six values, but to but to continue to remind ourselves that. The times that we make the good news complicated, the times that we make what Jesus has said and what he has done complicated, we want even this word to bring us back to the words of Karl Barth or Eugene Peterson or the Apostle Paul or more importantly, Jesus. He makes the complex simple, love God, love others, Everything else depends on that. And so as I've said, um, we're going <laughs> to we're gonna go backwards. We're not, we're, I'm contradicting myself by making this not simple, but we're going to go backwards. Uh, we're going to start with E. And I promise you there's other letters that in, the, in the middle of that. Uh, but we're going to start at E. We're going to go to L. And as I've said, I'm so looking forward because as we consecrate ourselves, as we wholly dedicate ourselves through, through fasting, through prayer, over the next couple of weeks, we'll get to the P on the 26th and so looking forward to um, worshiping together, so looking forward to uh, really practically living out that value of presence and prayer uh, on the 26th. So everyone, every day, everywhere, and in many ways, I don't feel like we need to spend a whole lot of time uh, on this. If you have been, I suppose, if you've been engaged with with us over the last number of months, if you've been engaged in what we've been sharing on a Sunday morning, um, it's it's probably the reason why we're going we're going this way. I feel like it's just a almost a reminder of the series we went through in regards to the church, the church. Why bother? And we talked about uh, that Greek word that, that Jesus used, the ecclesia. The ecclesia, if you remember, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but the ecclesia we defined as being the called out people for the welfare of a community. A called out people for the welfare of a community. And, uh, and we spent some time even around vocation, around our workplace. That That is a really important significant community that that many of you uh, find yourself in and how can you be how can you be reminded how can you be equipped to be a called out one sent for the welfare of that community of that workplace 
of that school, of that neighborhood. So that's, that's who we are, and, and we wanted to remind ourselves of that. We want to remind ourselves of the, being the ecclesia was the called out people for the welfare of a community. And where you work, how you be, how you be in the workplace for the welfare of the community, to the welfare of the place that you have been called to. So this morning I'm, I'm going to just go through a, a few verses that influence this idea, that influ, influence this value that we have of um, everyone, every day, everywhere. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, is, uh, I think is a really important verse for us to remember. I think it will be familiar to, to many of you. Um, it's this reminder of who we are. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And this idea that this was the language around us that, that we have found really important. Uh, is the is the priesthood of all believers. See, I think sometimes we forget that, that so much of uh, what Paul writes and what, what all the writers write is it's plural. The idea of the idea of this this use of the word you, it's speaking to us all. It's speaking to us all. You are the light of the world. This is speaking to us collectively. You are the salt of the earth. It's speaking to us all, those of us who follow Jesus. We are all this, the chosen people. We are all the royal priesthood. We now all have access to the Father. We all have access to approach him boldly with confidence, approach his throne of grace with boldness and confidence. We are, we are all that, that royal priesthood. We all have access. We all get to enter in. To use the words of the father of the vineyard movement, John Wimber, who said everyone gets to play. And much of what we're saying here is, is believing in that statement of Wimber's wholeheartedly, that everyone gets to play. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, another important verse for us. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 is the is the is Paul reminding us what has been given? That, that to the, the one who ascended and the one who descended, he, he went as high as anybody could go, and he went as low as anybody could go, and he he is the one who fills all things. Fills all things, and he gives apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. He gives them. Until and he gives them until we all. This, this is very important too. He gives them until we, until we all reach unity. Until we all attain unity. Until we all uh, measure to the me, the fullness of Jesus. And we're not there yet. As we look around the church, I don't think we've attained full unity. I don't think we've measured up to the fullness of Jesus yet. And so those five gifts are still needed. We believe that with all of our heart, that the apostle and the prophet is needed as much as the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. But it's important to remember that they are given to equip the saints. They are given to equip the saints for works of service. 
And so we're want, we're, we want this to be a value. We want this to be high value because we want everyone to be equipped. We want everyone to be equipped for works of service. We want everyone to be equipped for the relationships that they're in, for the place that they're called to, for the environment that they find themselves in, for the people that they rub shoulders with, that they would feel that they're equipped for works of service. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, again, it's, it's, it's a well-known, well-known passage, well-known thought. But I don't think it would do any harm just to be reminded of it um, this morning. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let me read these few verses starting from verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we are all baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given one, the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And it goes on. God, in verse 18, in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, every one. Please hear it. God has arranged all parts, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they're in all one part, where would the body be? There are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say, I don't need you. The feet can't say, I don't need you. There should be no division in the body, verse 25. But that its parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And again, we, beca- we can become really familiar with that, that it loses... It loses its punch, but that is that is powerful. The thought of, of being a part of a church that values the whole body. That there will be never any reason for the, the, the person at the front to say to the person at the back that we don't need you. There will be never any reason for any elevated positions in here because we are all equal parts of the one body. And the, the thought of, of living as what Paul is talking about here is beautiful and I long to be a part of a church that highly values every one of the parts. And Acts 2 verse 17 to 18 I think again is another important verse for us. Acts 2 again really quickly on on Thursday night we Again, and David sang, David sang the song tonight that we sang the first time we gathered to worship in this place. Spirit, come and fill this place. Let your glory now invade. And uh, and so my prayer, for, uh, the prayer that night uh, was much the same as my prayer for upstairs. And I, and I looked at Acts chapter 2 th- during the week. And seeing that before the people were filled, the place where they were where they met was filled. 
they all gathered in one place and it was filled. The Holy Spirit came and filled the place and then he filled the people. And so our prayer continues to be, Spirit, fill this place. As we went upstairs with the young people that gather on a Wednesday night and continuing to seek the Lord about how we can continue to use that space. But regardless of what it's used for or regardless of who is in it, Holy Spirit, fill this place. But we're told that in verse 17 and 18 of Acts 2 that this was, this was in line of what the prophet Joel spoke, that the Spirit will be poured out on all flesh. It's really important. It's really important for us. Really important for us to hear this. This Holy Spirit was poured out on all people. Poured out on everyone. The Jews, the Greeks, the young men and old men, the, the, the slave and the free, he was poured out on everyone, on all flesh. And so it didn't matter. So regardless of age, again, it's high value for us, regardless of age, regardless of gender, regardless of status, the Holy Spirit, Spirit is poured out on all flesh. And we spoke a wee bit about the kids. We spoke a wee bit about the kids in recent weeks and, and, uh, and we were at an event recently and we were, one of the guys, trusted friend, prophesied Matthew 21 over us and talked about the importance of the kids, the voice of the kids in this place. And the question was asked to Jesus in Matthew 21, have you heard the children, have you heard the children say? And Jesus said, yes. It was really important, Jesus, because I think that came as a complaint. Are you, can you hear the children? And Jesus said, yes, from the lips. He goes back to the psalmist and says, from the lips of infants comes forth praise or something along those lines. See, so regardless of age, the Holy Spirit poured out on all flesh. Everyone gets to play. The kids get to play. In case Caleb and Daniel pick me up wrong, I'm not talking about playing pool when we come to church. I'm talking about getting involved in what God's called us to. We all get to be involved. The boys, the girls get to be involved with men, women, old and young. We get to be involved. We, we want to see the body work in the way that, that, that he longs for it to be working. It requires all of us playing our part. Boys and girls, young and old, whether you've been following Jesus for 40 years or you've been following him for 40 minutes, you have a role to play. You have a part to play in seeing the body function really well. Everyone. hope you're convinced everyone. And every day. Every day, I, we were, you've heard, you've heard us use the language, I think, before that Sunday is not the main event. That was a, that, 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 that still is a shift. I still think it's all right to, to say that. It's all right to, to say that line and maybe provoke a wee bit. But actually, in many ways, it still feels like Sunday still, at times, in the West, it still feels like the main event. And, uh, and the challenge is that, it, that like, it shouldn't. In, in many ways, it should be, in terms of, in terms of seeing the kingdom come, like, should almost—I don't want to say it's the least important, <laughs> because I love it. 
I love it. I need it. Never want to neglect the assembly, the assembling of the saints. I need it. But on uh, last, it was when was it last Saturday when we gathered at uh, Ballyards for the prayer event? Um, uh, Darren McClatchy was there, who's packed up everything in many ways and made his way to to serve the Lord, plant church in in Dublin. And Darren's been part of church for years. He's in many ways it's all he's ever known, and been part of enough leadership events, been part of enough. Uh, Things to always be told, always feel like everything led to Sunday. Everything that went on, everything that we did led towards Sunday. The priorities were towards Sunday. And as he now plants afresh, as he plants in a new context, in a new place, not in the same Sunday at 11 o'clock that we've always known, you you start to question, you start to ask, think a wee bit, differently ask the Lord um, some different questions that you maybe never asked before and now Darren's at this place where I think he used the line something along something along these lines every for him everything leads towards Sunday but now he's thinking no everything leads from Sunday everything leads from Sunday because it's so important if we want to, if we want to see this place transformed, that on Monday at the school gates we're seeing glimpses of the kingdom. On Tuesday when we're filling our car with diesel and we're standing in line to pay for it, that we are so sensitive, we're we're so aware that the kingdom could come at any moment. The kingdom is at hand. The Father is always at work. He's always speaking. And there are moments where we, where we miss it. There are moments where we miss it because we're so accustomed to happening in a certain time or a certain place. And so my, my heart is that, yeah, these moments that we have together, like we've done this morning, would, would bring life. We would love it. We would be fueled to lead us from here to experience those moments every day through every one of us and it would be everywhere. How did it get to half 12? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, finish with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those and those who are perishing. Through us, he spreads everywhere the knowledge of Christ. Everywhere we go. The Passion Translation, I love how the Passion Translation puts this. It says, through, uh, through our yielded lives, you spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere you go. As we think of this, this season of fasting and praying and waiting and sacrifice and surrender, through our yielded lives, the, the, the knowledge of God 
the knowledge of Christ spreads everywhere we go. So here, <laughs> this question was asked. Um, this question was asked to a few of us who were part of a, a leadership event recently. And, uh, and one of the guys was closing out our final devotional of the evening. And he took us to this verse. And his closing remarks for us to be challenged by as we left to go into the week with all our with all our new information, with all our excitement of being sent and released, was the question, how are you smelling? And uh, I suppose in some ways I want to ask you the same question. How are you smelling? And through us, through our yielded lives, the, the knowledge of Christ, the aroma of Christ is, is spreads everywhere that we go. And so I, uh, I hope I've said enough to show that this is really important to us. It's, it's really important that you see that we don't want it just to be a nice idea, a nice word, a nice turn of phrase that sounds nice, but I think it's rooted in the word. I think it is rooted in the heart of God. I think it is rooted in the challenge and the life, uh, the life of Jesus. And so I hope you're convinced this is for every, all of us, everyone involved, every day of the week, everywhere we go. Will you stand? Can you stand with me and let me pray for us all? I'm going to pray and uh, and then we're done. So, uh, so Father, I pray that as you look upon us this morning, God, I pray that you would see lives that are yielded. God, lives that are arms wide, hearts abandoned to the one who gave it all. And so Jesus, we, we, we look to you. Can I say this to you? I, I just, I'm just reminded of, uh, I sat, uh, sat having coffee this week with, with a friend and Rachel with Nick. And, uh, he asked me this question. It just sort of caught me off guard. You're just chatting about this new place and chatting about ideas and chatting about different things. He asked me this question that in the middle of it. Now, if if Jesus was sitting right here, right now, what do you think he would ask of you? What do you think he would ask of you? And uh, I didn't have an answer straight away. I mumbled some holy good answer. But as I, reflected, as I reflected for a moment, I came straight back to Psalm 27, verse 4, where we were just last Sunday. We touched on it last Sunday. 
I feel like as important as all the stuff that is that we're doing and all the stuff that we're talking about. I still want to don't. I still want to get back to this simple thing of. I feel like if Jesus was sitting beside me, what he would ask of me was that I would gaze upon his beauty and that I would seek him in his temple. Because in spite of all of, in all of this, we can't do it without, without that being our, our starting place, without that being our source, without that being our go-to place. I suppose I challenge us all with that today that maybe before we jump really quickly into the everyone, every day, everywhere that we that 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 at the moment Jesus would simply ask of us that you would you would gaze upon his beauty. You would catch a fresh like Paul I think did of who he is. Because he wanted to know nothing apart from Jesus who he is and Jesus and what he had done. And so we would gaze upon that and we would seek him in his temple. And I think that from there, that so adds extra fuel to, to us being people that will go everywhere every day. So Father, I thank you for the deep affection that you have on every one of us. I thank you for the sense of pleasure that we bring to you. Thank you for the joy that we bring to your heart. And even when we've made mistakes, even when we still haven't got it right, even when we've we've taken a nibble of something and we're supposed to have been fasting, God, you, you're, it brings you such joy when we come back, when we return. And in many ways, it's just a simple returning that is enough for you to run towards us and embrace us. And before we can even say that we've sinned, before we can even get out all of our excuse, you embrace us because we've, we've made our way home. And so we make our way home because we, we desperately need you. We make our way home because we desperately need to know what it is just to engage with your heart to know your ways. And as we do that, we are reminded of who we are. We are reminded that we're a chosen people. We're reminded that we're called out people. We're reminded that we all, every one of us, regardless of how we view ourselves, regardless of how indispensable we feel. <laughs> Jesus, you're the, through the words of Paul, you remind us that it's even the indispensable ones that are given greater honor. Those that feel less about themselves, you, you view even with, with more. So God, I pray that we all have a sense of our role within this place a role within your kingdom, a role within what you are doing and what you are longing to do. What you are longing to do through yielded lives that will spread the knowledge and the goodness and the kindness of Jesus everywhere we go, every day of the week, in every place that we find ourselves. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would empower us afresh, equip us afresh. Spirit, not only we thank you that you've come in moments 
who senses you're filling this place. But God, as we leave this room today, we go longing you would fill us as your people with your spirit. And there would be evidence of it. That people would see it. People would hear it. And so we offer you our lives afresh, fresh surrender. For your name's sake, for your renown, for your fame, for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.